you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It's Friday, September 22nd, and you are listening to NFL's Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of today's special guest. He went from undrafted to undeniable, winning a Super Bowl with the New York Giants. He was Eli Manning's center, and he tends to be the center of attention around here. He's number 60. He's Sean O'Hara. Welcome back to the pod, Ohara. Drew, great to see you, my man. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for being on the show. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer Andrew Levy, and on today's show, game picks, scores included, for every remaining Week 3 game. Simple agenda, complicated material, some very puzzling games on the schedule this week for my money. I'll share Mikey Am and Chase Daniels' picks coming up, and we will plumb the depths of Sean O'Hara's soul for context in a moment because, look, I know what you're looking for. It's the same thing I'm looking for. None of us needs another dude with a mic spitting game picks and rando scores. You'd like to think they know that they have a good sense for how these games will go down, lending a hell of a lot more credence to who they say will win it. And so we will do that coming up. But first, this. They throw it towards the end zone. It is caught by Ronnie Bell. Brock Purdy to Ronnie Bell might become a familiar phrase, but that nine-yard touchdown on third and five was the first catch and first touchdown for Ronnie Bell, the seventh-round pick out of Michigan. Uh, You saw it last night, Sean. Niners entered this game a 10-point favorite, and they proved it. Pretty good value at that number. They never trailed, outgained the Giants by almost 300 yards, outpossessed them 2-1, to and stretched the final margin to 18 with this dagger from Brock Purdy to Debo Samuel with six minutes on the clock. And here's Purdy going to throw one deep for Debo! Made the catch on the back shoulder! Brock Purdy knows it the whole way. He runs a little stutter and go. Brock Purdy reads the stack coverage. He's on top of it. Wow. Throws it to the back shoulder, and Debo Samuel just snatches it right out of the air. Final score, 30-12. to The 49ers stretch their regular season winning streak to 13 games. Two more, and they will tie the franchise record set by the 89-90 incarnation of the Red and Gold. Now, with his TD run. Inside gun run to McCaffrey. Touchdown! C-M-C! And the dynamite has got vision. Christian McCaffrey tied Jerry Rice for the all-time Niners record of having scored a touchdown in 12 consecutive games. A number, our friend LaDainian Tomlinson, he did that in his career as well. Uh, Run CMC has a chance to make it 13 in a row next week against the Cardinals. Then he'd have a shot against the Cowboys to join Cowboys legend Emmitt Smith and a couple other guys who hit 14 in a row. And if that goes as planned, McCaffrey would have a chance against the Browns to tie the all-time NFL record of 15 shared by O.J. Simpson and my guy, the D.C. Diesel, John Riggins. We will track that one with interest. Sean O'Hara, thank you for your patience. Would you support a running back winning MVP for the first time since Adrian Peterson did it back in 2012? Hallelujah. I'm down for it. I think we're all thirsty for that. Um, it's kind of become the quarterback award. So you got to go all the way back to Adrian Peterson. You, I mean, apparently a running back has to rush for 2,000 yards to get the vote. 
Yeah, exactly. And before him, it was our guy LT in 06. And of course, one year prior to LT, there was a bit of a run on running backs. Sean Alexander won it in 05. But you're hard pressed to find anybody but a quarterback uh, anywhere around those three outliers. Sean, let's talk stats. Giants stats, nothing but miserable. Niners stat leaders, Brock Purdy, 25 for 37, 310 yards, two touchdowns. Debo Samuel, six receptions, 129 yards, and a tug. Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave each registered a sack. Uh, Hufunga had a pick. And I've got a question. Those are the stats, but what is the story here? Sean O'Hara, what did we learn? What do we know now that we didn't know before kickoff in the Giants and Niners game? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think going into this game, I don't think anybody would have said that the Giants really had much of a shot without their starting left tackle and Andrew Thomas, without Saquon Barkley. So you play a team like the 49ers, you want to be at full strength. The Giants certainly weren't that. But uh, I thought the fact that they were able to try to go for two down 17 to 12, and possibly make it a three-point game, I don't think anybody expected that. So uh, I think the Giants showed a lot of grit, a lot of toughness. Um, Daniel Jones, you know, he, he made some big-time throws. I, I was shocked at, at how many drops there were, if you were, by, Dar- by Darren Waller. He's been so sure-handed for them. Um, there's a couple plays that I think he would like back. But I think when you look at what we learn is that the Giants are a poor tackling team right now. Look, we know George Kittle's tough to bring down. We know Debo Samuel is tough to take down. We know Christian McCaffrey's tough to take down. He was leading the league in rushing coming into that game, and I think he just solidified his Ricky Bobby position. I think that aspect of it has to be the most disheartening for the Giants is you knew those guys were tough tackle, t- tough to tackle, tough to bring down, and they still couldn't find a way to do it. For me, in that game, it was the missed opportunities by the Giants' defense. They had three opportunities to create an interception. They, they were the only team coming into that game in the NFL that didn't have a takeaway and didn't have a sack. Now, they did get a sack. Kayvon Thibodeau got one. Um, Davidson and Leonard Williams shared a sack. So they were able to apply a little pressure on Brock Purdy. But I think when you look at what they defensively, those missed opportunities and those missed tackles are exactly why you got the result that you did. Um, you know, look, it's tough to play two games in five days. Um, and I think the 49ers are a tough challenge, especially offensively with how many t- different motions and formation the personnel are doing. Um, I thought the Giants defense played, uh, it was a spirited effort. They played good enough to, to give their, their offense a chance to win the game. But in the end, there was just not enough firepower offensively for the Giants, and that's something they have to correct. Translation, Sean O'Hara says the Giants were probably emotionally spent after that incredible second-half comeback in Week 2, then a short week on the road, facing potentially the best team in football, certainly one of the best two teams in the NFC, and by halftime their powder was dry. Did you learn anything about Brock Purdy or Debo or Kyle Shanahan or this Niners offense that you didn't already know in the absence of Brandon Ayuk? I think it's just pretty impressive how Brock, Brock Purdy has continued his play, and there has been no, like, all right, when is the clock going to strike midnight? When is he turning into a pumpkin? Like, it and look, it, it's an entire offseason. It's an elbow surgery, which um, on the broadcast actually kind of created a d- digital imaging of it, which was kind of unnerving for a lot of people. Um, they recreated the, the surgery uh, yeah. virtually. But I, I think all of those things, like you would have thought, all right, there's some sort of drop off or Brock Purdy comes back down to earth and hasn't been the case. I think the biggest um, takeaway from Purdy is the Giants – they blitzed. I mean, they brought all kinds of heat. Wink Martindale led the league last year in blitzes. 
Um, nobody did it more than the Giants last year, and they brought the house, and yet he was able to get the ball out. That's always the biggest key. And I think as every quarterback that I've ever played with, um, that they just had that killer instinct, they were never afraid of the blitz. They welcomed the blitz. You want to pressure us? Great. I'm going to get one-on-one -on -one coverage. I know I can make that throw. And the throw that you mentioned um, to um, that young, the young receiver who made to his Ronnie first Bell. catch. Um, to Ronnie Bell, that was a huge throw. And the touchdown throw to Debo Samuel, Yeah. all Debo had to do was turn around. I mean, the yeah. ball hit him in the chest. It was right. a it was deep a back throw. shoulder throw. It was a very interesting kind of release, and I thought, he's just kind of throwing it yeah. up. That's a pass That's a pass punt situation. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. He knew exactly like where that was going. Yeah, it, it did. But it, 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 it dropped right in the breadbasket. I think those things um, are, are things that impress you because he's still a young kid. I mean, he's still – this is his second year in the league. Um, you know, he hasn't even played a full season yet, so there's still um, growth there. Um, but I think it's also just, you know, Kyle Shanahan does a great job of teaching how to see the defense, how to read it, and to know where to go with the football. Like, he never seems to panic, and he always seems to have an out. High praise from our friend David Carr for Brock Purdy last night on our text chain that we have alive during games. David Carr said regarding Brock Purdy, he does such a great job at retreating while keeping his eyes downfield to buy another half second to let the route develop. He then says, and you'll appreciate this, Sean O'Hara, Eli was great at that. Similar traits. Do you? Does that remind you a little bit of your guy, Eli Manning? Yeah, I like to think that Eli was never under duress, at least from the middle of the offensive line. <laughs> uh, but I think that's one of the attributes. You know, look, there's two different types of quarterbacks, right? There's quarterbacks that know they can't run, so they have to find a way to kind of be athletic and be mobile within the pocket and buy that time. And then there's quarterbacks that can run or that think they can run, and so they are the ones that escape the pocket and think, I'm going to extend this play, and I'm going to try to run away from these guys who are faster than me. So – uh, I, I think when you're slow like Eli, um, he knew right out of the gate, I got no shot at running, outrunning any of these guys, so I've got to have an out. I think Brady was the same way. Peyton's the same way. It's I need to have a check down, and I need a parachute because my legs are not it. Note to the listener, the Niners rushed the ball 39 times last night, and yet Brock Purdy still threw for over 300 yards. That's called balance on offense. They've got bullies on D. If anyone out there is not sold on this 49ers team, that is an argument I would love to hear. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, joined today by the Super Bowl champion, Sean O'Hara. And the next topic is the how, because we're going to get to the who and the what in a moment, as in who wins and by what score. But before then, let's focus on understanding how a few of these games will go down. That's our agenda with Sean O'Hara, starting with game number one, Chargers-Vikings. You often hear the phrase, must win. 
Sean, I would call this a can't-lose game for both teams. They're both winless. The Chargers are road favorite in this one. Bolts favored by one and a half. This game has the highest total number on the board this week, 53 and a half. So obviously a lot of people expecting a high-scoring affair. Chargers giving up a lot of big plays. Vikings have addressed but haven't fixed the defensive woes that made them a bottom-five unit last season. Sean O'Hare, the Bolts are favored. 58 points and no turnovers through the first two games account for that faith and a Chargers win is likely what should happen but what would that look like I think it's more turnovers for the Vikings who lead the NFL right now in fumbles they have six fumbles you just mentioned the fact that the Chargers haven't turned the ball over I think that's paramount look it's the, it's the number one statistic when it comes to winning football games so uh Minnesota and the and the Chargers these are two of the best only two teams that I've seen in a long time like they have so much talent you've got the best receiver in the league in Justin Jefferson on one side, and Kirk Cousins throws for 450 yards and loses, and everybody says, oh, it's Kirk. Like, What more can he do? I think you look at, at, at the way that both of these teams have found ways to lose games already this season. Um, they are the worst at, when it comes to losing close games at the end. Um, both of them seem to just find a way to mess it up. So uh, they can't both do that. So somebody's got to win. Somebody's going on three. Somebody's getting the first dub. I like the Chargers in this game because I think they have more options on offense. And I think for Herbert, um, he's much better at maybe spreading the wealth around a little bit, whereas I think Kirk kind of gets locked on to one guy a little bit more. So a little bit more of a balanced approach from the Chargers, albeit on the road in Minnesota. They will prove their favored status and, in your estimation, will find a way to win in spite of the fact that, as we just heard you say, at some point in the fourth quarter, both the Chargers and the Vikings will try to lose. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Sean O'Hara, and we're doing Friday things around here. Game picks and score predictions for every remaining Week 3 game. But before we reduce this slate to who wins and by what score, let's make the case for how some of these games will play out. Continuing with the Titans and the Browns. Sean, Titans coming off of that widely unexpected Week 2 win over the aforementioned Chargers. That game ended 27-24. Derrick Henry, 90 yards. Sorry, 80 yards. And a touchdown on 25 carries. The Browns, and specifically Deshaun Watson, left Heinz Field in Week 2 with a decisive shell-shocked look in their eyes, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, each of whom had a touchdown, tend to have that effect on people. But, of course, losing a game is something you can shrug off. Losing Nick Chubb for the season is a loss you really can't. Odds makers set the home team Browns as three-and-a-half-point favorite, a generous number in my estimation, Sean, considering the absence of Nick Chubb and after what we saw from that Titans defense. That can travel. I reckon this will be trench warfare, but nobody cares what I reckon. What do you reckon? Sean O'Hara, how do you see this one unfolding? I like that you're going in the trenches, and you know, as much of a, a blow that was to lose that or to lose Nick Chubb, it's been two weeks in a row now because in week one, they lost their starting right tackle in Jack Conklin, the Cleveland Browns did. So now they've lost two starters, two straight weeks. Uh, that, that's tough. Those are two very crucial positions. I think the Browns offensive line was their strength. Um, you know, when you just look at units and I, I think losing Jack Conklin is, is a big blow. So you mentioned that front for the Titans, you know, look, their ability to come back and get into that game and win the game against the Chargers was because of that pressure up front. Simmons was a beast. He was unblockable at times. That will be a fun little matchup because right now the two best players for the Browns have been their guards. Um, in in Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio, so uh, that'll be a, an interesting matchup within the game. But you know how how does Kevin Stefanski find a way to replace replace that production 
from Nick Chubb because you call just a simple zone play and he breaks three tackles and runs for 25 yards. Like, I don't credit Stefanski for that, but it's like, all right, hey, that's a nice bonus. If you don't have that, now all of a sudden you need to manufacture that. So uh, I, I like uh, Tennessee in this game just because I look at their ability with Derrick Henry to continue their identity and to continue to be who they are. You know, I, I think that that is probably going to prevail, and that defensive pressure from the interior is something that Deshaun Watson has always kind of struggled with. Um, you know, you kind of go back to his time with the Texans. He was one of the most dominant quarterbacks uh, in the league for a couple of years, but he was also the most sacked quarterback. Um, so if he's banged up a little bit, um, you know, that could end up rearing its ugly head again. Translation, at least according to my ears, how I hear it coming from Sean O'Hara, the Tennessee Titans in Cleveland on Sunday will look a little bit like the Browns had hoped to look all season and will do to the Browns what the Browns had hoped to do to everyone else. Next game, the 2-0 Saints rode underdogs to a Packers team that likely feels unlucky, Sean, not to also be 2-0, giving up that late lead in that Week 2 loss to the Falcons. The Packers are favored by two. That one has me scratching my head, so I must ask you, how do you see this one playing out? I've been really impressed with Jordan Love, and, and I know you know, he has never started a full season, but I tell you, he looks like a veteran out there. The ball is coming out. He's got command. He's got presence. Um, you know, he looks like he's been running this offense for his entire career, which he pretty much has. And there is no, oh man, growing pains. Here we go. And it doesn't matter that he didn't have Aaron Jones and he didn't have Christian Watson or David Bakhtiari. He was missing three of his big pillars on offense. Um, so I, I think Green Bay is just continuing to ascend. Uh, you know, maybe they get one of those guys back and that helps out. But you know, Luke Musgrave also looks smooth and, and the relationship with Jordan Love. Uh, looks pretty good. I think Romeo Dobbs has, has provided a spark as well. Um, I think this Packers defense ha has has played really well as, as well. I think the matchup I'm looking forward to too is like Jair Alexander versus Michael Thomas or yes, Chris Olave. Yes, sir. Um, Jair Alexander is one of the feistiest and one of the best corners in the league. That's going to be an interesting matchup. So uh, for Derek Carr, you know, I, I feel like there's been some growing pains with Derek Carr, and he's the veteran. Uh, you know, you would think that he would be the one hitting the ground running, but you could kind of see there's been some hesitations, maybe some disconnect between him and the receiver that has led to some sacks or some missed throws. Um, just not everybody being on the same page. Um, that's something to keep an eye out for in this game. Translation, if you can't score more than 20 points in a game, Saints, it may work at home. It may work on some weeks with that defense, but Sean O'Hara has a feeling it's not going to work this week, not against the surprisingly good Jordan Love and the Packers. Next up, well, that's the question, isn't it, when an AFC East battle is taken up once again by the Patriots and the Jets at MetLife. Patriots, a road favorite by two and a half. Sean, how does a dominant Jets D fail to gain an edge in the odds here? Are we buying this newly tuned up Patriots offense, or are we simply convinced that Zach Wilson is a liability, the likes of which cannot be overcome? How does this one go down between the Pats and the Jets in the AFC East? Well, Drew, uh, history is not on the Jets' side here. I mean, they've lost 14 straight to the Patriots. I, I think when you Look at the fact that Bill Belichick has, you know, just been toying with young quarterbacks throughout his tenure um, as the head coach of the Patriots. You know, Zach Wilson never beaten the Patriots. He's 0 for 4. Um, this is not a great recipe. It's not a great setup for him. 
And I think the fact that he's got a banged up O-line does not bode well for him. Protection has been an issue. And I think for Matt Judon, he's licking his chops. Um, I know defensively, um, the Patriots do always do a great job taking the football away. So that's something to keep an eye on. But I, I'm curious to see for the Patriots if they kind of look at these first two weeks and say, all right, Bill O'Brien, what are we doing here? Like, you really wanted Mac Jones to throw more passes in the first two weeks in the NFL than any other quarterback? Like, that can't be how I envisioned this offense looking when I brought you here to run it. Um, and to that point, run it. Like, run the football. The Patriots have always been able to run the football, and it didn't matter if they had, you know, a one- or two-back rotation or if they had three guys rotating. That's always been a strong suit. So, uh, I expect to see a little bit more of that from the Patriots. You know, listen, that they, they've got that mystique about them, and apparently the Jets just still have not been able to overcome that. So while this is a great matchup uh, defensively for the Jets, um, you know, I, I think that that's their strength. Um, this could end up being one of those games where the Patriots just say, we're going to run the ball 45 times, see if you could stop us. Translation, defense dominant, run heavy, low scoring, I should think you're looking at. What are we looking at, like a 12-6 victory in for the Patriots? A lot of field goals here. Um, I will say this, too. The game is at MetLife Stadium. It's supposed to rain all weekend, so weather is never uh, a kicker's best friend. Um, but I think 19-13 here sounds like an appropriate Patriots-Jets score. New translation, this one could get ugly. Two games to go, two minutes to go. Next game, the worst to first dreaming Falcons, led by a rookie running back, Bijan Robinson, are three-and-a-half-point underdogs in Detroit to face the Lions, who are likely biting their own kneecaps after losing to the Seahawks in OT in Week 2. Sean O'Hara, few better stories in the NFL this season than these two teams, but which is the better team? How does this one go down? Yeah, this is a tough one because I, I tell you, Detroit winning Week 1 against the Kansas City Chiefs, um, you know, I feel like there was just like a new life to them, a, a, a new blood. And it was, okay, everything we've been hearing Dan Campbell preach about came to fruition. I think they're the more physical team. And I think on both sides of the ball, I think they have the better O-line. Their offensive line is just smashing people. And, you know, it starts up front with Frank Ragnow and Penny Sewell and what they've been able to do. You know, obviously, you know, losing David Montgomery, um, I think he had a thigh bruise. You know, that could be a little bit of a factor, but Jameer Gibbs has been as advertised. Um, this running back, this game for, for both sets of running backs is going to be electric because you mentioned that B. John Robinson, that guy is special. And, you know, look, you see a lot of guys come out of college and say, man, that guy's fast. He's got explosiveness. He's got acceleration. He has the stop and start ability. He can be running full speed and then er, he can put his foot in the ground and ch completely change directions. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of guys grasping straws, grasping air. Um, and that's not something you see a lot of in the NFL. And not a lot of rookies do that because usually they're the ones trying to catch up to the speed. Um, it looks like everybody else is trying to catch up to him. So I think that's been a, a really nice combination. And I also think the play of Desmond Ritter cannot be understated right now. In his second year, he looks very poised. I think he's more athletic than a lot of people thought he would be. Um, and he's certainly been a difference maker in buying time, extending time, uh, running with the football. So they've got some weapons uh, offensively. Uh, I think it'll, this will be interesting to see, uh, you know, how close the game ends up being. I think uh, I think the physical 
If I were to, to pick a side to, to win the physical battle, I think Detroit's still just a little bit more physical. Translation, Desmond Ritter, surprising. Bijan Robinson, dominating. But in the end, it's the physicality of the Detroit Lions that Sean O'Hara says will likely win the day. One game to go. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. Andrew Levy with Sean O'Hara, who is helping us get our heads around how the biggest toss-ups of week three might go down. One last game with you, Sean, happens to be the last game of the week, the second of two Monday night games, Rams visiting the Bengals. Cincy favored by three. That's kind of the standard NFL home team spread, but it feels more like a coin flip to me, which is why I chose this. Storylines for days in this one. NFL Rookie of the Week, the new NFL record holder for total catches through his first two games, Puka Nakua, say it with me. Puka's got it. It's Nakua Matata. The young man who potentially represents a long-awaited answer to Rams' backfield questions, Kyron Williams. And, of course, Joe Burrow has a new tax bracket, but he also has a new injury concern. And that seems to be a new trend of Joe Cool early in seasons. The fact is that calf issue is real. Bengals, Sean, as you know, a popular Super Bowl pick, but they're winless through two weeks. So with all that as context... Tell us, how would you write the final act of Week 3 drama? Yeah, 0-2 for the Bengals, it's actually pretty familiar for them. Uh, this is kind of how they start. This is how they roll. But it, this one feels different because Joe Burrow is limping and because they have the same issue up front. Like, they can't protect him. And, you know, it's hard to believe these, were, these two teams were in the Super Bowl, um, you know, what, 16 months ago. And yet they're both really struggling for their identity uh, right now offensively. I think... The big thing, you know, to take away is if Joe Burrow is at all hampered at all with a cap, this is not the defense you want to go up against. You don't want to face Aaron Donald and company. That's, this is not a great matchup. And the Bengals went out and signed Orlando Brown to a monster contract, moved him to left tackle, and put Jonah Williams from left, moved him to right tackle. And there's still been some growing pains there. And there's been a lot of uh, quarterback duress, quarterback hits. Um, that's something that, that, that has to be corrected and fixed. But for the Bengals, you know, I think just the, the the lack of production from Jamar Chase has been somewhat surprising. And, you know, he and Joe Burrow just don't seem like they're quite in sync yet. Are they going to get it right? Absolutely. Is this the week that they do it? Um, I think everybody in Cincinnati and Ohio is hoping that to be the case. Uh, but I know this. The Rams and Sean McVay, I feel like, have always been a very streaky team. When they start to get hot, man, they sizzle. And they start piling up wins, piling up yards. Um, and I think the fact that they're doing it with so much young talent right now really bodes well for them. On the road, you mentioned it earlier on before, if you can run the football on the road, I think it sets everything up, and that's always been Sean McVay's bread and butter. Can we set everything up with the run, the play action? Um, if they can find a way to establish the run, 
Um, I think they've got a great opportunity to come away with another win over the Bengals. Translation, the Rams-Bengals game, as Sean O'Hara sees it, a matter of pain management, certainly for the Bengals. Growing pains on that offensive line. Actual pain in the lower leg of their quarterback, Joe Burrow. Uh, a painful chemistry experiment not yet figured out between Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow this season. And, of course, you've got the biggest pain in the neck in the form of number 99 uh, across the way from Joe Burrow. That's uh, Aaron Donald, in case you've been living under a rock for the last 10 years. This could be trouble for the Bengals. 0-3, is it in their future? Sean O'Hara says, don't rule it out. Note, the Bengals are bottom three in passing yards and point score. They're bottom five in rushing yards. Joe Burrow's backup, in case you uh, don't know, another JB, Jake Browning, four-year starter at the Dub, the University of Washington. He may have a role to play in this game. Coming up, week three game picks and score predictions from Mike Yam and Chase Daniel. But first, let's put our hands together for today's special guest, number 60, the Super Bowl champ, Sean O'Hara. Thank you, bud. Thanks, lady. Appreciate it, buddy. Go have a great day with your kids. Listeners, stay right there. Week three game picks, scores included, are next on NFL Total Access, the podcast. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. I'm your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy, and we have reached the picks point of the pod. You heard Sean O'Hara sound off on a handful of games already, but the picks of record on this show belong to Mikey Am and Chase Daniel through Two weeks, Chase still leads Mike Yam by the narrowest of margins, one single game, everything to play for. Please remember, listener, this is a guide, nothing more, made by exceedingly learned people, but utterly fallible human beings, too, who cannot know how 106 players per NFL game, 53 on either side, will perform. Once the ever-changing and ever-combustible alchemy of team chemistry comes into contact with the challenge of the day. You never really know in this league, so watch the games, enjoy the games, and if you do wager a couple of bucks, do it wisely, and do it within your means, please. Now, let's get to it, starting with Texans-Jags. The Jags in Duval favored by eight and a half. Chase Daniel ain't buying it. Sound the upset alert. Chase Daniel says that the Houston Texans will flip this script and beat the Jags by 17. He sees the final score, Texans 34, Jags 17. Bit of a shock face for me on that one. Mike Yam says, no, don't believe Chase. Believe the odds makers. The Jags win it 31 to 20. Saints Packers. Green Bay at Lambeau favored by two. Now the Saints are 2-0, but they haven't put more than 20 points on the board in either win. Packers, of course, trying to erase the memory of having blown that lead in Atlanta. Both Chase Daniel and Mike Yam say they won't erase that memory. Sound the upset alert. Chase Daniel says Saints win it 21-16. Mike Yam says Saints win it 24-21. Cowboys Cardinals. This is the joint biggest point spread of the week. Dem boys favored by 12 and a half. Now, the loss of Trayvon Diggs definitely takes a little bite out of this dog of a defense. But Chase Daniel is unmoved, says that Dallas will roll out to a 20-point win in this one, beating the Cardinals 34-14. Mike Yam actually sees a Cards cover. He says Dallas wins, but only by 10, 27-17. Titans-Browns. No Nick Chubb, but the Browns are favored at home by three and a half. Chase Daniel is buying it. Says that the Browns will beat the Titans at home 20-14. to 14. Mike Yam, 
disagrees. Sound the upset alert. Mike Yam says that the Titans will go on the road and win yet again 24-21. Bills Commanders. In a game some are calling a trap game for Josh Allen and the Bills, that makes me nervous as a Commanders fan, Buffalo goes into D.C. favored by 6.5. Now, Chase Daniel and Mike Yam are on either side of the Vegas line, but both believe that the Bills will win. Chase says the Bills, in a tighter-than-predicted game, win 24-20. Mike Yam says that the Bills will stretch it to a touchdown in the end. Final score, Bills 28, Commanders 21. Broncos, Dolphins. I'm a bit surprised by this line. Dolphins only favored by six and a half at home. Now, maybe the assumption is that the visiting Broncos couldn't possibly lose their first three games under Sean Payton. But it's hard to pick a team in the AFC playing better than the team coached by Mike McDaniel. Both our guys see a 10-point gap in the end for the home team. Chase Daniels score, Dolphins 27, Broncos 17. Mike Yams score, Dolphins 34, Broncos 24. Steelers Raiders. Vegas the host, two and a half points, the line. Raiders the favorite. Did you see the Steelers' defense Monday night? I know, I know, short week and travel and all that, but come on, is it just me or is this line soft? Well, apparently it's not just me. Sound the upset alert. Chase Daniel says the Steelers will win this one, 20-13. Mike Yam agrees and says the Steelers will win it, albeit in a closer contest, 17-14. to we interrupt this podcast to bring you our guy Friday, Adam Rank, the fantasy phenom, who has some advice that you should take and a few plays that you should make on behalf of winning your week three fantasy matchup. Listen close, take notes. Adam Rank, the mic is yours. Time now for stuff you need to know, and you are probably well aware that Joe Burrow has been battling a calf injury that has put his status on Monday night in doubt. Here's the thing. Reading the tea leaves, this is my conjecture. He is going to be playing, and if he's playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, he should be playing for your fantasy football team. But as a measure of security, go pick up Matthew Stafford. That way you can wait till the last possible moment. And if Joe Burrow is unable to go, Matthew Stafford, his opponent, is ready to go as well. Baker Mayfield also figures into the mix as a Monday night guy. They give you a little bit of extra time to go back and look. And by the way, when you talk about Baker Mayfield, is this a real thing? I want you to know this. The offensive coordinator of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dave Canales, was the offensive coordinator of the Seattle Seahawks last season. So as you can tell, there's a, there's a little bit of some magic working with Dave Canales. All right, what about Saints Packers? A.J. Dillon has been a huge uh, disappointment. We thought that when Aaron Jones went down, that it would be A.J. Dillon stepping up, but it's been a periphery of other guys for the Green Bay Packers who has allowed Jordan Love to play so well. But they got a tough matchup this week against the New Orleans Saints. I would try to avoid that as much as possible unless Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones, excuse me, is ready to go. Sky Moore, 16 fantasy points in week two. Great matchup against the Bears this week. Isaiah Pacheco, also another fine start there. Brian Robinson has had 40 touches this season compared to Antonio Gibson's nine. But this is a game where the commanders could be in a position where they throw the football. If Antonio Gibson is available on your waiver wire, go pick him up. Right, Don't start him. Pick him up. 
see what happens if it doesn't work out, if the split remains the same. It's been 40 touches for Robinson, nine for Gibson. If it remains the same, then drop him. But if not, if he goes off and Antonio Gibson is in the mix, oh, you don't even have to use a waiver claim on him. All right, Chargers, Vikings. It would not shock me if these two quarterbacks combine for nine touchdowns this week. Jordan Addison has had at least 16 fantasy points in both games this season. The first Minnesota player since 2009 with a receiving touchdown in each of his first two games. You know, I'm feeling good about Josh Jacobs. He struggled the first couple of weeks this year, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, believe it or not, have allowed a top six fantasy running back in each game this season. They've allowed the most fantasy points to the position this year. So get him into your lineup. Zach Ertz, like a rising from the ashes in Phoenix. Normally we stream tight ends against the Cardinals, which means we would be streaming Josh Ferguson. But Zach Ertz has been beyond solid this year. Javante Williams, great start. The the Dolphins have allowed the second most red zone touchdowns to running backs this season. Raheem Mostert's been amazing. The Broncos have allowed the third most receiving yards to running backs this year. The Lions, we talked about this. Jameer Gibbs, the Falcons get to the quarterback. They have a they have a decent enough defense. They really held Jordan Love in check, like passer rating wise, getting to the quarterback wise, which means a lot of quick dump offs for Jameer Gibbs. We got to finally start him this week. The Seahawks defense is banged up. They do not stop anybody. Miles Sanders, great start. Tyler Lockett with DK Metcalf battling an injury is a great start. Jalen Warren looks like the guy who has won the job in Pittsburgh for the Steelers. I love him this week. Justice Hill battling a turf toe injury. If he's unable to go, Gus Edwards becomes an excellent play. Bijan Robinson, likely the number one player in fantasy football this week. Eight big plays this season, 10 receptions this year, 180 rushing yards. The Lions allowed two rushing touchdowns to Kenneth Walker in week two. Garrett Wilson, for me, still a start. Still a start. I understand it. The Patriots have not allowed a top 15 fantasy wide receiver this season. I don't care. Garrett Wilson is the guy. I just don't sit him. Nico Collins, he's been amazing. We love C.J. Stroud as a sleeper option. Some hype train guys, Matthew Stafford I mentioned earlier. Jerome Ford, tough matchup against Tennessee. You might be forced to start him. Tank Dell is pretty interesting. Baker Mayfield, we talk about Jamar Chase is going to call, call it back. But listen, is this the week that Kyle Pitts bounces back? I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. But those are things that you need to know. Thank you so much for having me. I will see you next week. We'll be back with the rest of the week three picks and score predictions on NFL Total Access, the podcast, in a moment. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is our week three viewer's guide, game picks, and score predictions from Mike Yam and Chase Daniel. I am your host, NFL Network senior writer, Andrew Levy. I can't wait to watch these games this week. Let's get to the next one. Chargers Vikings. Bolts are road favorites in this one. One and a half is the line. Disrespect the narrative you know is ringing in the Vikings locker room. This isn't a must-win game for two winless teams. This is a can't-lose game for two winless teams, both saddled with doom and gloom narratives and finger-pointing critics around every corner. So, in a can't-lose game, who doesn't lose? 
Chase Daniel says the Chargers don't lose, beating the Vikings by three, 31-28. Mike Yam agrees. Chargers don't lose it. They win it. Yammers score. Chargers 37. Vikings 34. Colts Ravens. The host team, Baltimore, one of only two undefeated AFC teams. Dolphins, of course, being the other. Now, Ravens are favored by seven and a half in this one. Anthony Richardson officially ruled out Gardner Minshew will start for the Colts. Chase Daniel says the Ravens win it going away, 28 to 12. Mike Yam says that the Ravens are in for a close one. Yes, they get the win, he says, but only by three. Mike Yam's final score, Ravens 27, Colts 24. Panthers Seahawks. The 12s host a Panthers team expected to be without number one overall pick Bryce Young. Seattle favored by six one week after that thrilling OT win in Detroit. Chase Daniel says the Seahawks follow up that thrilling OT win with a seven-point victory. Seattle 24, Panthers 17. Mike Yam says the gap will be bigger. Seahawks do win it 28-17. to Eagles Buccaneers. This has been a popular upset pick this week. Baker and the Bucks hosting Jalen Hurts and the defending NFC champions. Now, the Eagles are favored by four and a half. Your question may be like mine. Only four and a half? Well, that's Chase Daniels' question, too. He has the Eagles winning by 17, 27 to 10. Mike Yam, however, sees wisdom in the spread. He says the Bucks cover, but the Eagles win. Final score for Yam, Eagles 24, Bucks 21. Patriots, Jets. Bill Belichick loves beating him some Jets. Maybe he hates losing to them even more, which is why he tends not to. Odds makers say his Patriots shouldn't lose, favored by two and a half on the road at MetLife. Chase Daniel, wait for it, disagrees. Chase Daniel's final score, Jets 23, Patriots 17. I, for one, don't see where the 23 points come from, but I would love to see where the 23 points come from. Mike Yam disagrees with Chase. Patriots win in his estimation. Final score, Pats 21, Jets 17. Falcons-Lions. Detroit came back and lost in Week 2. Atlanta came back and won in week two, the Lions are favored by three and a half. Chase Daniel says the Lions will prove it, winning 24-17. Mike Yam agrees. It's a one-touchdown game for him, too. A little higher score, in his estimation. Lions win 31-24. Bears-Chiefs. Chicago cornered the market on NFL drama this week. Can they silence the noise inside and outside team walls with an unexpected win at the home of the champs on Monday night? Oddsmakers say no, capital N, no way. The line is 12 and a half. The boys agree. Chase Daniel says the Chiefs win this one 30 to 13. Mike Yam says the Chiefs win this one 34 to 20. And finally, Rams-Bengals. Will Joe Burrow play? Should Joe Burrow play? Well, since he is favored by three, I would favor not touching this one with a 30-foot pole. But sound the upset alert. Chase Daniel says the Rams win it 24-20. Mike Yam agrees. The Rams win it 27-23.
I want to thank today's special guests, Sean O'Hara and Adam Rank. I want to thank Chase Daniel and Mike Yam for their picks and their predictions. And I want to invite you, the listener, back to join us on Tuesday of next week for a recap of Week 3. Who's on track and who's in trouble? And we'll take a look at the storylines that will define what looks to be an amazing slate of games in Week 4. That's next time. Till then... Good luck this weekend. Hope your team wins. Hope your fantasy team dominates. And if they do, I hope you're not playing me. Till next time, take care of you, take care of your crew, and ciao for now. NFL Total Access is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.